guys, I'm Maya. I'm Samnika. And this is episode 10 of season two of Bitch, I'm Just Trying to Graduate. And in this episode, we're going to talk about negotiations. So first, today is International Women's Day. So I just want to say happy International Women's Day, even though hey. we're listening to this after Women's Day, but we're recording hey. it on it. Future is female. Future I know, is right? Future is Definitely. female. <laughs> so we just finished a three-part series on figuring out your career path preparing your statements, and the interview process. And today we're going to talk about negotiations. So congratulations, you were offered a job, and now we want to talk about how to negotiate all the parts that go into this job. Especially we want to talk about what you can and cannot negotiate. So I mean, like, when you think about it, a lot of the times as graduate students, after your master's, after your PhD, you get offered a job, and you're sitting there, you're like, man, no more tight ramen. So you're just like, oh, I can't wait. I'm about to be making so much money, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And And pay off those student loans. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't even factor in their student loans because they they don't know how to manage money well. So the key thing that you have to focus on now is making sure that you find a job that you like which was part of what we talked about. And then on now being able to negotiate things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Academia in itself can be very daunting. Like a lot of your life is going to be consisting of trying to find grants, trying to conduct research, ethical research, well, quality, great quality research, but also trying to do stuff and still have a social life and a good life balance. I've, right. I remember my advisor during my PhD, she used to say to me, um, working is a part of life. So there's no such thing as a work-life balance. Everything is just kind of a life balance. Mm-hmm. So you have to factor in work, but you also need to factor in your, your day-to-day. If you're, if you're planning on getting married and dating and socializing, going to concerts, if you want to just do fun stuff, if you have kids, making sure you spend time with kids, like all of that comes into play of life. Work is just not something you put away and then can pick, you know, and pick it back up. It's just, it's just a part of you too, but you want to make sure that it's not the part of you that's overbearing. Right. So when you think about negotiating, you want to make sure you negotiate all the parts that helps you succeed in that life balance. So Mm -hmm. having a good salary is might be important to some aspects of it, but even maybe time off or work flexibility, being able to work from home Um, in academia, you have like startup where you have the funds to conduct your research funds to go to conferences funds to hire undergrads or research techs, because yeah, you can probably say, Hey, give me more money. And because I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, but it actually might be more beneficial for you to say, have this money in your startup to hire an undergrad to do Y and Z so you can delegate. And then all you have to do is focus on X. Mm-hmm. And they're actually more likely to give you the money for the undergrad than to increase your salary too. Yeah. And I mean, well, that's, that's from the academia corner over here. Yeah. From the <laughs> academic quarter. Um, um, on our, on my side of things, um, I look at it more so of work-life balance in the way of it just being complete total life balance and me being able to be a productive scientist 
but also a scientist that knows when to stop. Mm-hmm. So the issue with grad school is that as graduate students, we will work ourselves to the bone. We don't intend to, but if we're doing a research project and it's not going our way, we're used to staying up in the wee hours of the night and getting our work done or trying to figure out an experiment and stuff. But that's not a healthy way to live outside of grad school. It's not a healthy way to live in grad school. But one thing that I will say is that I want to spend more time doing stuff that I want to do. I'm now making a good amount of money. I'm now being able to um, go to concerts and go on trips and things that I had to sacrifice for graduate school and doing it when I want to do it. But it takes negotiating with your bosses to get that time to do some of that stuff. So I guess let's get into like the first thing you should do after you have basically got the job offer and they've given you congratulations such and such we want to offer you uh six figures let's just say a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> i'm not making that but we're gonna offer you a hundred thousand dollars to come to our company and just be a wonderful great scientist and wow you know it's just a great amount of money now the first thing that you do when you hear that money after you've done your hallelujah dance, because you now have a job that has offered you money and mm-hmm. you like it. The first thing you should do is you should see what are all of their expectations of you. Now, during the interview process, that's a question that you would ask when they ask you if you have questions outside of their baseline expectations, what they put out in the call. But now it's like, okay, so I'm getting paid this much. And this might be more than what they originally offered in the in the entire um application process what they put out in the call so now you're like hmm what do you see or what do you want from me that that makes me worth this extra amount so you know you make sure that they go in detail about what they expect of you when they would want you to start working and so on and so forth so you get all the details you can about the job that you're gonna start okay yeah and um so i agree with that also if for whatever reason if the amount is lower than what you expected also look to see what your job duties are because um, sometimes they might give you a lower amount and you're like wait this doesn't add up you want me to do xyz abc but you're only paying me this amount of Mm -hmm. money um i would say the first thing when they offer you more than likely they're going to give you a verbal offer do not accept it right away just say thank you i need time to think about it and then this is where you do that time to think about it go on if it is for academic job at a public university most public universities they have the salaries that are public look to see the people that are in the position that have just been hired the last two or three years and see what their salaries are so make sure your salary is comparable to theirs Um, it's a little bit hard if you are doing at a private institute or private jobs because they usually don't make the salaries public, but you can also go to salary.com, indeed.com, um, Glassdoor, and you can see what is the average salary for a certain job in a certain area. And even looking at the cost of living, there is, I think it's a website called costofliving.com, and mm-hmm. it can tell you what the median uh, household income is in that city that you are moving to or that you're in and how much money you would need to live or at least how much money is comparable. So like when I was looking to moving here to Columbia, I was looking to see what 
the income that they gave me, um, how much did that compare to when I was in Illinois? So sometimes it's like, oh, you would need slightly more. So I basically said I needed slightly more money here in Columbia than I needed in Champaign. Yeah. Which and also didn't really matter because I was already making more money, but still just to see what the, the comparableness <laughs> was. That's true. I mean, I'm just piggybacking off of you. Always making sure like that was the next thing I was going to go into is like quality of life. Um, mm-hmm. Always make sure that you know about that area and um, where you would want to live in that area because they could give you enough money to literally just cover your bills. Right. And that is not living. No, that is surviving. That is that is nothing more than going back to grad school, just on a higher scale. Um, so the way that I look at it is that, all right, we've already done a hallelujah dance. We've already asked what are the expectations of us based on that pay that we have. And now we're looking at quality of life. Now, there are, like, like Sam said, there's a lot of websites that you can use to kind of help with the quality of life. So one thing I like to do is I'll look at certain websites and we'll post them on Twitter probably sometime this week. And um, one of the things I like to do is I like to start looking at apartments and um, apartment websites or renters websites in the areas because they usually do a really good job of summing up location and quality of life as well as giving you a, an idea of how much money you would need to make as far as for rent and then factoring in electricity, water, things of that nature. So I usually start looking at like, what's the housing situation? Um, I, I necessarily am not a person that cares about demographics. Um, that's not, that's never really an issue, but um, I feel like demographics can sometime in a way be a little misleading. Like um, people use demographics in the way of like, like looking at crime. And usually when they do that, is it usually be for areas that really have like a don't start none, won't be none policy, but mm-hmm. just too urban. So I kind of let that go. Um, but yeah, the next thing I would do after looking at quality of life is that, um, like Sam said, you give them a couple of days. Thank you so much. Um, can you give me till like, say if you get the offer by Monday, you usually want to take two or three days to kind of um, look up and research everything that we've told you and then start, you know, putting together a good response of what you want. So now in those two or three days between you trying to negotiate, I like to sit down and think about all the things in which I want to accomplish. So you start making like a mini goal of things that you want to do. So my thing is, like with the funds that I'm getting, of course I have bills and loans and stuff that I have to pay, but I also want to start saving up for certain things, or I also want to be able to go on some trips. Will this be able to help me like live the quality of life in which I want to live and still be able to have a fun job that I want to do with just not, with not just me just having the check-ins and the savings and still not being able to actually do fun stuff. So that's always been the key thing for me. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, you got an education to improve your quality of life. You got an education to, yeah, you love what you want to do. Hopefully what the subject you decided to get your degree in is something you enjoy. But you decided to go to school to improve your social standing, to improve your money, the amount of money in your bank account. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. Like this is like, I love being a professor, but that check, the amount on that check 
matters. If yeah. I was living paycheck to paycheck, there's no way in hell I would be a professor. Because mm. you'd be miserable. You literally just I pay would. I would be stressed out. I would be having anxiety attacks. Of, and I can't pay bills. Like most things you should only, they, they recommend that only 30% of your salary should go towards housing mm-hmm. and like bills. So if I didn't make enough, and even I live in a apartment complex, well, you have to make more than 30% um, of the rent. So, or those they're not going to rent to you because they don't want you to be struggling. Not They want to make sure you can actually afford to stay in the housing because not only do you have to pay rent, you have to pay food, you have to buy clothes, you got to have a car, you got to have insurance, you have to, you know, doctor's appointments, all this stuff. And then you need to have some type of social life. Like all that is important. You, we, we are not machines to work. So if someone say, oh, you shouldn't, all that other stuff shouldn't factor into your negotiation process. Yes, it does. Because um, we know that the women's and the men's pay gap, the gap, the, the pay gap is about women make about 77%, 77 cents to a dollar for men. And one of the ways, reasons they justify men making more money is because they say, oh, men have to have, um, they have wives and kids to take care of. So if they can, if that's the reason historically why they say that they're supposed to make more money than women, guess what? Women need to make the same amount of money anyway, because we are not living in the age of where women are not working and they have a husband to take care of us. Most of us, we are we are on our own. Some of us might yeah. be single moms or we don't plan to, um, you know, things are just never guaranteed. So you just want to make sure you can afford to survive on your own without a man. We don't need them. <laughs> yeah. like we, we might want men, but we don't need them. Yeah. You got to be able to be independent on your own and take care of yourself. Absolutely. Right. Like we, when it comes to negotiating, you don't just fact, factor in just bills you don't factor in loans you don't just factor in all the stuff that you gotta pay you make sure that you have a little wiggle room to do stuff mm-hmm. that you want to do and now we're gonna get into off of money because money's yeah. one thing you negotiate next thing you want to negotiate is your time yep i am a stiffler for doing quality research and being fully productive but a nine-to-five life is not a life for me like I honestly enjoy doing work necessarily not in an office setting. I enjoy doing work where I can feel very comfortable if they allow me to go work. Um, like I know at in our building, we have a lot of couches and in different rooms where people can kind of stretch out and just do work all day. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy it. Like that, that to me is, is relaxing. I like the fact that, um, you know, we have a day designated each week that we can work from home or work from other locations. As long as we do our, our work that day, it's fine. Now time is usually just used to, to track your productivity. So yeah, you clock in your eight hours a day and you be productive as possible and that's fine. But you know, some people, they just, they're not very productive for eight hours straight. And they usually like take a, a hour break. And some jobs are very receptive of that if you negotiate that beforehand. Do not come into a job and just think that you go, oh, I'm just gonna take an hour lunch break and disappear, or oh, I'm gonna go do this and that. No, you have to negotiate for those times too. 
Yeah, um, academia is a little bit different because you don't necessarily have to negotiate that. They don't, um, we, most of us are salary, so it's not about, you don't have to clock in and clock out. Um, the mm -hmm. assumption is that everyone makes is that you work more than 40 hours a week, which I personally think is BS, but because um, I'm like, if I'm working more than 40 hours a week, y'all paying me overtime Maybe. and that ain't working. But as long as you get your shit done, you should be good. So I, I do work, do the nine to four, nine to five thing, mainly because I like to get my stuff done, go somewhere, do it and then leave. Now, I don't always have to do it in my office. So I mm -hmm. tend to, for the most part, um, be in my office on campus. I haven't made my office for my home office yet just because I've been procrastinating on getting that ready set up. But once that's set up, any days that I don't have to be on campus for anything, I would probably be working in my home office or occasionally I might go to a coffee shop and work and write or whatnot. But I do like the flexibility of really, I only have to be on campus for classes and meetings. But I, as long as I have my computer, I can pretty much work anywhere. And this also just allows me to have that flexibility of if I need to make doctor's appointments or if something comes up, if I'm sick, I can, you know, I don't have to like let somebody know, hey, um, I'm not going to be in today. I don't have someone, you know, it's not a guaranteed expectation. I mean, some people try this where they just, they just come to my office thinking I'm just going to be there. And I'm like, and then they send me an email like, hey, I came to your office a few times. And I'm sitting up here like, why, why did you expect for me to be in my office? I don't know who you are. I mean, I know who you are, but I don't know who you are to think that you can knock on my door and then I'm not there. And then you're going to send me an email talking about, hey, where are you? You know, you can send me an email saying, hey, I want to get in contact with you. When was the best time for us to meet? But not, hey, I came by your office a few times. I'm sitting up here like, um, excuse me. Uh, we ain't friends. <laughs> right. Who, who are you? Um, but yeah. But no, I mean, like, and that's how it is. Government industry is very different. Everything is kind of a nine to five. But there is certain things you can do, you know, like, I'm not necessarily a nine to five. I don't like to be at work after a certain hour. So I usually choose to go to work early. So mm -hmm. I'll go, I'll be there by 7.30. I'm out the door by 3.30. And then I have the rest of the evening to kind of chillax and do stuff that I want to do. Um, and then, you know, there is, you can negotiate, you know, being able to work from home on a day, or you can negotiate how your office is going to be set up. Everything usually can be dwindled down to make you comfortable for you to be your most productive if you have to sit in the office all day see how much money y'all have in the budget and if you can get a standing desk in your office see if you can got get one. some yeah i got i love mine see if you get some fitness equipment in your office i know one lady um not at my job but she had a treadmill desk and like when she wasn't like having to go to major meetings and have to dress up, she'd come to work and she can switch into like some leggings and stuff. And she'd just be walking on her treadmill and doing work all day. Like it's certain things that companies, if they really want you, they want to make sure that you're max, that you have maximum comfort. If you have a lot of injuries pertaining to your neck, carpal tunnel, stuff like that, they usually want to know all that stuff so they can make your office space just as, as comfortable and as fitting for you and what's the word i'm looking for what's it um so efficient e. so you could be effective efficient, yeah effective. No, it was like was it ergonomics or something like oh, that yeah economical 
And it just yeah. make you more effective. When you're comfortable, when you are not in pain, you are just more efficient. You were able to get the work done. Yeah. And I mean, and less and likely it, to be out sick, less likely to be injured. Yes. And um, I mean, you let them know this stuff up front. You see what they can do, see how they can negotiate a key thing. So moving on from making sure that the office space is comfortable for you and that your, your time is noted and what in the things that you would expect. That's good. The next thing you want to think about is um, your daily commute. How do you mm -hmm. get from place to place? How will you get to work? Is parking at your job free? Is that something you're going to have to negotiate? Like these are the next things that you're going to have to think about. So the way I look at it is if you work at a job and this is not necessarily the case for academia but you guys might need to negotiate like perk what's it parking permits right to make sure that you're not having the you you have a designated parking spot on campus so yeah i mean luckily for faculty it's a little bit easier to get a parking thing ours is like we had a parking structure i think at illinois the faculty usually they they find a parking space closer to you get one pretty close to your building so you don't have to like be parking across campus and it just depends on the campus how much it costs usually there's a special fee for faculty and then it's like monthly deductions from paycheck so even though it might not be cheaper than when you were a student they don't make you pay for the whole year all at once they just do payroll deductions so it just makes it a little bit easier Okay. See, so in a lot of industry and government jobs, um, parking usually can be included, but not necessarily. But you can negotiate to see, like, how can they, if they can cover that and, you know, they, they can just put the bill for that. Usually most places will have their own private um, parking structure and they'll have their own passes that they, they can allocate to people. And then on, on top of that, um, the key thing is commuting. So, like, in the area I'm living in, I'm close to DC. And the main thing of getting people around in DC is Metro. I don't necessarily take the Metro because I don't live in DC or near DC. I'm in the Maryland side. So me getting to work, the commute is actually longer than driving. So the things that I would negotiate for is, hey, do you guys um, offer money for, um, driving to work? Is there like a compensation that I can get for this or so on and so what? And the thing is with my job necessarily, they told me one of the best things I can do is I can get a toll on pass. So like an easy pass. And I can save up all of those um, receipts from when I have to replenish it and they're tax deductible. So they were like, that's something that you can do. And um, if you make a case at the end of the year, I could possibly be, be um, recompensated for it. So, you know, um, either one is fine with me. And I just like to be able to get to work early so I can leave early. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of jobs offer um, compensation for if you take the train or bus to work. They might have like a company bus pass or a company metro card or something like that where if it's going strictly to and from work, which they can track, um, they will pay for it a, a certain number of trips per month or something. Like you have to figure out what they can offer you besides just money and the kind of sweeten the pot. As far as, I guess, just thinking in academia, some of the things that some people, cause I know a lot of people do want to go into academia, you might, uh, you have like teaching 
loads. You can negotiate your teaching loads. A lot of times they give you a teaching delay in your first semester. I personally negotiated to have my teaching load, my teaching delay delayed. So I was like, I'll teach in the fall and um, I will not teach in the spring. So I originally was not supposed to teach this spring. However, I am teaching, but again, I negotiated some stuff with that. So I'm teaching one course that they really needed someone to teach and I negotiated extra money. Um, it, they couldn't necessarily give me extra money like in my paycheck, but they gave me extra money in my startup, which I am able to use to hire another undergrad this summer that I can use to pay for undergrad this summer. So yeah, I'm teaching memology this semester, but it is paying for a student for the summer, which will help me with my research. So I yeah. never do anything for free. I always like negotiate. You, you could just figure out how, like, I think I might've told y'all I negotiated grad school. When I came to grad school, I negotiated for my money. So I am not afraid to ask for more money. And I'm also, I recognize that it's not always the money in my paycheck. I can get, negotiate money for something else. So, um, and then another thing was as far as startup. So usually startup is something to help you until you get your first grant. So usually they give you a certain amount. They'll like, you know, they'll throw out a number, give you a certain, say, we'll give you this amount to help you until you get your first grant. Mm -hmm. And what you need to do is I ended up getting several different, I got, um, for my advisor, I got his startup list and his was like, just knowing my advisor, Professor McGonagall, very detailed. He had like a line by line item. So I just started to think about what do I need to succeed? You know, some people would just throw out numbers like, oh, you should just get, you know, $200,000. But if you can't, uh, justify why you need that money they're not going to give you that money so like i actually increased my startup by thirty thousand dollars because i had an itemized list of everything that i needed i didn't negotiate my salary because my salary was where the, everybody else's salary was but mm -hmm. by doing that and sending this excel sheet that was like line by line item they were like yep we can do it and then it was like oh damn, I should ask for more, right? But nope, I did what I needed to do. Um, another thing is, so my advisor, he recommended that I talk to several people about negotiating and my startup and whatnot. And of course, him being a white man, he, you know, he suggested I talk to our department head who does a lot of negotiations, who is also a white man. But so I did talk to him, but I also talked to one of my mentors who is a black woman. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the information that you get is totally different so the route that i took was she was like figure out what you need why you need it and make a case for that the white man he was yeah. like well what's your startup and he's like oh that's low they're lowballing you what's your salary oh they're lowballing you he's like you know he just automatically assumed because he's like i just negotiated a half a million dollar startup package and i'm just sitting up here like well what was their research like you don't necessarily but he's just assuming that it's low or he's like the salary is low but i'm like but the salary is what it is for the market and honestly, it's only, what, $5,000 lower than what y'all said, but it's just different schools, different states, you know, that, that, the way that works. But and then you can deal with the different trust factor they give. Like, right. I don't care what you to say. Academia does not trust people of color more than they trust uh, white 
folks and they will always be willing to drop more money on them than they will on us hot take, that is true i, I kind of just feel like what what you just said was absolutely right and um it is kind of different for government because it, like you they want you to stay as long as you can possibly stay but they want you to be as comfortable as you can be now that's not everybody and when we get a little further into this you'll see where I know with academia is more tricky because they try to put a lot of eggs in your basket and it kind of like can distract you from other eggs that probably need to be in your basket. Right. So, yeah. Um, the next thing I think, and the most important thing, if you are moving is to see if they offer relocation funds. Yep. Whew. Let me tell you now, academia, they're usually really good at giving relocation <coughs> with yes our, with our current administration that's the problem um a lot of government and industry positions don't give a shit about relocation funds and you'd be mad you realize that you can't afford to move where you're moving to but you gotta do it anyway for your job yeah, well, and then when I said, like, yes, academia, they give you relocations, but the problem is with our new administration, with this new tax thing that happened, the tax bill a year and a half ago, now yeah. they tax it as income. So you don't actually get all the money that you gave, they gave you for that. So academia, they need to increase our relocation funds so it can actually add up to the amount that it said, because I got taxed on mine. Yeah, I mean, you ask for that stuff up front because if they don't offer relocation, then you might need to, add, you know, like, hey, oh, well, I wasn't really anticipating, you know, not having funds to move up there. And, you know, is there anything that you guys might be able to do outside of a relocation fund that can help make this a little bit better? And you never know. They might be able to offer you a little bit more money or they might be able to try to, um, you know, push back your start date or however they want to do, but they also might, however, you know, they might find a way to try to help you. Or not push back your start date. You can ask to, so I renewed, you know, I negotiated starting a month earlier, but mm -hmm. not being on site. That is great. That's a really good thing to do. That way you still get a paycheck and then when you're able to move, you can move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was more so like, um, I had to be like on site the first day to do the whatever. So I was on site for a little bit, but I was in between. So like I was here for like three days and then I went back and was packing, but I could work well, you know, basically work wherever I needed to work at. And then that way I was able to move actually after I got my first paycheck because mm -hmm. they didn't when they give you the read, um, when they give you the move-in allowance, they put it on your first paycheck. Okay. And you don't get that first paycheck until when you get paid monthly to the end of the month. So, I mean, I can't move before I actually get a paycheck. So let's get that paycheck started. Mm -hmm. Now that's smart. I mean, and you have to kind of get creative and, you know, it's all about building your, report with your hr person and your um your boss or your recruiter boss yeah and i mean that's kind of what the interview is for the interview interview is not just like an interrogation on both you know you're schmoozing you're trying to see like yeah. okay how bad do you want me you know and and that's just one of those type of things usually what um academia is your department head yeah not hr but yeah. 
Now let's talk about after negotiations and say they can't offer you anything and the pay just isn't what you want it to be. So it's now they can't that you know. like you get that pay they said they can give you and you might be able to get free parking. Is that enough for you? If it is, cool, you can accept that offer. Yep. But you're rejecting an offer. There's there's levels to that too. <laughs> so mm. the best thing you can do when rejecting an offer is um, you know, always be respectful, always be kind. Um, there's a lot of templates online um that you know can really be useful when writing that email or you know even saying phone call like we need a script and most of the time they're like thank you so much for the opportunity and for looking at me um um due to current circumstances i feel that i would like to go with another company or or just blatantly you can just say i will i just i don't think i can accept this offer and you know you reject it with grace humility and then you still are appreciative so you just end it on a good note on a high note thank you i hope that the search goes well and you keep moving so one thing i really want to emphasize is only do this if you are not going to accept that offer don't yes. do it trying to say don't say no hoping they might say actually let's work something out because the likelihood is they might not do it. Now, if they do do that, good for you. You know, that's a 1% chance, but don't say, no, I can't take this job offer thinking they are going and not, and not sticking to that gun. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you don't be like, yeah. Yeah. You, you, when you say no, you be sure in that no. And the best way to be sure in that no is to make sure that you're still applying an interview viewing in other places and you're mm-hmm. also getting offers in other places because a lot of times i ask are you applying anywhere else are you getting offers anywhere else because they're doing research on their side too to see mm-hmm. if they really like you and you're a top candidate they want to know what these other places might be paying you or they might be trying to offer you so they can match that or even make it, it a little bit sweeter and usually when i get especially at the level that we are at after having a phd Usually they put, they have put so much time and effort into this. When they offer you a job, they're really trying to get you. And if they don't get you, that is a failed search. They will, at least in academia, they will have to start all over next year with a whole new pool of candidates. Um, I think for government, they might have, you know, might, might be able to go down to the next slot. But a lot of times in academia, they have only brought in two people to interview. And yep. I can guarantee you somebody, then they effed up. So you literally was the only one that, and they can't mm-hmm. just go back to the search. They can't go back to their pool and start bringing in other people. They have to start that search all over again. Yeah. And, and, and it could be the same way with government to a certain extent. Like they might have one more person in the tuck just in case that like they usually have like a top three. Uh-huh. They'll try to trickle down from top one. One, top two top three after three then they'll probably have to put the post in back up and see yeah they're not gonna go, they're not gonna go to the top 10 yeah and i mean i've had to say no to a job before and i mean it was in new orleans and i and i loved it but for the quality of work they wanted from me that pay was just no and then it was in new orleans so like 
Yeah. Trying like the housing. You can't live in New Orleans with that. Nope. Yeah, like the housing, I wouldn't been living comfortable. I would have probably still been living not where I would want to be living. Yeah. You know, not the way I Yeah, and then I declined an offer in, in Nebraska. The pay wasn't necessarily I mean, I could have survived on the pay with the cost of living, but just thinking about what the job duties were, it was primarily teaching, which I love teaching, but I also felt like I would not have been able to do the research that I wanted to do. And especially given how much startup and I just had a better opportunity. Um, I had a hunch about Missouri and I literally turned down that job while, you know, right after I interviewed my first interview for Missouri and that hunch proved to be true. But I was just like, can I really see myself in Nebraska making this much money, doing this research, performing these job duties? Is that me? And ultimately it wasn't. And it it did take for me to go have the interview and see campus and interact with people just for me to realize that I wouldn't be happy there. Yeah. And I mean, it kind of, that, that's something that you kind of have to realize and look at on your own and, you know, just kind of have to yeah. see how you would interact in certain areas so it's perfectly yeah. fine it's like they, they told me that but it was like oh it's easy to like leave you know because a lot of people were like um even though it's a small town it's easy to get away but it was it wouldn't have been easy to get away because you're not giving me enough money to get away and I don't necessarily want to live somewhere that I'm trying to always get away from that is true that was, that was and- kind of a red flag where everybody was like it's easy to get out of here and I'm like what Okay. I want to enjoy where I live. I know, right? And, and that just comes with it. So, I, so, again, just to run back over some key things we want to look at, in no particular order, we said always be happy that you have a job offer, so celebrate. Yep. Then you make sure you have all the expectations that they expect of you and your job. You mm-hmm. want to make sure to negotiate a good life balance, making sure that you're going to be able to see your family, take care of your kids, take care of yourself, and um, be able to be home when you want to be home, if you right. can. If they offer you to a free day of working at home, take it. You know, anything that will make you be a better person and not hate your job. And then on top of that, you want to make sure that they can offer you some funds as far as commuting to work, getting to work, and, and so on and so forth. They want to make sure you can they offer you money or if they can possibly find you some money to relocate to the area if you move from far away. Mm-hmm. That one would probably be the most difficult, but it's it's something that needs to happen if it can happen. And then lastly, I think we discussed a little bit of if you weren't, if you honestly just feel like that job is not going to be what you want, you want to make sure that, hey, this ain't, this ain't it. I need to just write a respectful letter and just just say no. No, thank you. I cannot be offered this. And right. you have to make sure you're okay with that. Don't, just don't leave companies on red because your record does follow you. Like if you're applying to jobs and say, they know people too. You know people and they know people. And some of these fields, these scientific fields, some of these these avenues that people choose outside of science, they are very small. So people, it's not, and sometimes it comes down to people you know and how you've treated people who know those people. So that's always a key thing to look at too. I guess the last thing I would want to say is 
there are so many articles online about negotiating as a black woman, as a woman, as a black person, um, about just figuring out the nuances in negotiating. And I read a lot of them to help me figure out exactly what I should and shouldn't do. It, it is always difficult because we're warring within ourselves where we're like, we're so grateful that we got a job offer, but you want to make sure that you are being paid what you deserve because you've worked hard for your degree. So don't ever let anyone make you feel like you don't deserve or that you're ungrateful for asking for more. Just know your worth, uh, but also be humble and remember that we have to be a little bit careful about how we ask for things, how we say things. And sometimes you might need to like practice it in the mirror uh, practice, 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 just talking about, um, I don't want to say go over a whole bunch of different scenarios, but practice what you're going to say if you're going to verbally ask for it or have someone write, reread your letter um, because, you know, tone can definitely get mixed up. I think I had a couple of people read my negotiation letter, um, mm-hmm. my response. And I, you know, ended up getting a, I basically got, I, I got everything I asked for. Um, and there was one substitute, but the substitute still worked out well because I was like, hey, I, I wanted money to buy computers. And it was like, well, we can give you these two computers that we already had. So I don't, I mean, I don't really care if they're computers, brand new computers or two old computers, as long as it does what it needs to do. So those are just some things. Google is your best friend. And we will definitely try to put up some links to different things and maybe even post some articles about negotiating in academia that we find useful because not all of them are geared towards people of color, minoritized individuals. Some of them will give you advice where I would say, absolutely not, do not do that. If you do that, you will, they will uh, renege on your offer. So mm-hmm. I, so just with that being said, like, subscribe, share. We're on Instagram at B-I-J-T-G underscore podcast and on Twitter at B-I-J-T-G underscore podcast. Yeah, like, you know, stop by, give us a review, talk to us on Twitter. We're around. We just. Started. Yeah, we're trying. We Sorry, we haven't been around for like a month. Life. Well, we have been practicing in life balance. So um, since we are about 12 hours away and we now make a little bit more money so we're able to do some trips and stuff we just need to set aside a regular time and not get distracted by other things and i'm basically talking about myself because (laughs) i have the entire black history months i was like i was gone i was in new orleans last week i was you know i'm going to san diego next weekend i am definitely putting my salary to good use but i i deserve it because I barely did anything during my PhD. So we're reaping the benefits. Definitely. So do negotiate that salary. Make sure you get what you got to do so you could uh so you could do that. Yeah. So you can go on some vacations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do that now, okay? Yep. All right. So bye. Bye. <laughs>